0: But this is an hour south of Tampa. So if you're looking on a map, it's west coast of Florida, Gulf, uh-huh. um, on the Gulf side, they call it. Yeah. And um, I've been here just three years this month, born and raised in New York City.
1: Nice. They say uh, you move to Florida and and the sand gets stuck in your shoes. You can't leave. Yeah.
0: <laughs> That's true.
1: Yeah. And how yeah. long have you been doing franchises for?
0: So I've, I've been in the franchise industry almost 25 years. Um, I've owned and operated franchises. First one was a great success. You know, we'll talk about this. All right.
1: Welcome in to Vision Pros Live with Jackson Callum. I'm your show host. We'll be doing interviews for visionary entrepreneurs and guest leaders who are building fantastic visions out there. What's up, everybody, and welcome in to Vision Pros Live. I'm your show host, Jackson Callum, founder and CEO of First Class Business. And I've got Tom Scarda joining me today. Tom is a franchise veteran of more than 25 years, and I'm excited to dive into uh, the modern world of franchising. Um, I love that he uh, when we were talking just now, he talked about how this is not your grandfather's franchise, right? The, the franchise game has changed a lot. Over the last several decades, um, so understanding you know what that horizon looks like in the here and now in 2023 is super important to me. We might be talking about the economy a little bit. We might be talking about um, the the pros and cons. We'll see where that goes. But before we dive into that, and I bring him on stage, a quick shout out to a few of our sponsors. Um, we've got Cold Click. Cold Click is a system we use for helping with our LinkedIn automation, um, and we've got a, a great connection rate. If you're familiar with connection rates on if you're not, I'll just kind of educate you a little bit. Um, most people are probably getting between a 2 and a 12% click-through rate or, or connection rate on LinkedIn. That's not very good. Um, I've I've had campaigns that get between that 7 and 15% mark um, when we just don't hit it right. Uh, we're getting a 46% connection rate. So having the right message to warm people up and overcome the stranger danger aspect is super important. Um, also, having a team that helps you make sure that you don't get put in LinkedIn jail, um, that's another reason to be working with somebody who knows the rules and regulations and knows the algorithms to help keep you protected. Simply Fast Websites, that's another interesting entity. Now, we don't use this entity, but that's because we've already established our brand. If you go to firstclassbusiness.io, you're going to see a uh, you know a website that costs us thousands of dollars to create in terms of energy, time, monetary commitment, and value to our web developer and designer and beyond. But... If I were starting from scratch and I'd never uh, built a website before, I probably, I personally wouldn't use Squarespace or Wix to do that. I could, but I would rather have some guidance from somebody who knows what's going on. Um, I would know that in $179, I'm not going to get the best website in the world, but what a fantastic pricing point to start with and get your feet wet with somebody who has a passion for the industry. So Shane Michael really impressed me. And I was like, this is great. Uh, we have all sorts of people out there who need help. With uh growing their their business. I think COVID economics is a thing. Um, I think we're experiencing it as a as a world. Uh, and it just makes that that climb for entrepreneurs that much steeper to make it up. So it's important to gravitate towards those who are willing to help, who are willing to give, who are willing to make a big difference. So the water project, while our problems as business owners, our uh challenges, our first world. I also uh, plead that you take a look into what you can do to help out in the third world, specifically these areas of Africa that don't have access to clean drinking water. Um, You know, and if you didn't have clean drinking water yourself, you'd probably drink whatever you could to survive Um, or use the shower and et cetera. And that can create all sorts of disease and problems. It also means that instead of your kids being in school, they're walking for miles at a time to go get water for their community. Um, to help out, and you know that, that probably leads to some disgruntled relationships. It probably leads to stress, fear, anxiety that we can't relate to, um, you know, with where we live. So, what can we do about that? Well, we can give a dollar, or five, or ten thousand, or whatever we'd like. But what's really cool about that project is they show you exactly what happens um, to those communities. So, if any of you out there are like, "Dang, Jackson, like you always talk so much about this, like get on with it," I'm going to say no, like. Pull your heart out of your butt and start preparing to contribute um, you know, and give back. Don't ever forget about the people in this world who suffer more than us, please. That's my plea with you. Um, so now that I'm done chastising those of you who don't like the whole give back thing, I'm going to move on to somebody who does like to give back. We're going to bring Tom on screen. Uh, so, Tom, thank you so much for joining me on Vision Pros, man. And I look forward to tackling franchise. With you.
0: Hey Jackson, this is an honor. I'm so excited to be on your show. It's so great. And and the sponsors you have, man, spot on. I love it. The water project. We'll talk more about that later.
1: Okay. I'll make it. I'll make it. We'll have to put a pin in that and come back to it. now it's hard to remember later, but I love that idea. Hold me to it, Tom. Um, so Tom, let's let's dive in hot and heavy. Who should be listening? Why should they listen to you specifically? And what are they going to get out of today's show?
0: So Anyone who is frustrated with their career, thinking about making a change in their life, someone who might be laid off, or somebody looking to even just diversify investments, is someone who should listen. Um, The reason maybe they should listen to me, and I don't know, know, maybe they shouldn't be listening to me. But my background goes all the way back to being a New York City subway conductor, working on the trains in New York City. After 13 years, there there was somebody there kind of a senior person said hey tom this is a great job because you'll always have a shirt on your back he said you'll never have a silk shirt but at least you'll have a Mm -hmm. shirt and i was like wait a second that sounds like mediocrity to me and so i want to do i want to be a business owner because as i looked around my bosses were not wearing silk shirts but business owners were and Mm -hmm. so I realized that a, a franchise is a business with training wheels. And that's what I needed, somebody to hold my hand, take me through the whole process from learning how to even understand what a franchise is all the way to building the business and being able to sell it. So I bought a franchise back in 2000. Uh, in 2005, I sold it and semi-retired at 41 years old. And then I bought a second franchise just you know, because I was cocky and I thought I could do anything I wanted to. I bought a second franchise and within two years it failed and I lost almost Mm. my entire life savings. That's what made me a franchise expert. And that's why somebody should listen to me. If they are thinking about buying a franchise or getting into business at all is I can show you the ropes and how to avoid getting in financial trouble.
1: Oh man, I love that. I really do. And I I thank you for, for utilizing that story. I mean, we, we as a society, I think this is just in general, human instinct. We want to follow the perfect path, right? We want to follow that person who never made a mistake along the way. Um, but we forget that we make mistakes every day and we're going to make mistakes, right? We're going to have challenges. So, you know, I would much rather if I was going to train to climb Mount Everest, for instance, yes, I want to train with somebody who's been successful at it, but I would be stupid to also not look for the advice and the training from the person who did not make it um, and find out why, you know, didn't they make it? I mean, uh, we should get multiple opinions, but as we talk about the franchise Academy, um, you know, we're going to come back to that, uh, that particular experience of the failure probably uh, heavy and hardened just a little bit. So what's your vision for those that you
0: serve in 30 seconds? My vision is to help people get off their duff and make a change in their life because, The world is waiting for them. Everyone has a gift and I am trying to get it out of them. And it's not just about franchising. It's about making that change to get out of your own way.
1: Yeah, very good. Okay, and I like this. You've got this uh, you've got this stance, um, you know, this uh, natural repellent to mediocrity. Um, So (laughs) do I. Uh, We get along on that (laughs) big time. Um, So what about you? What's what's your vision for yourself over the next 10, 15 years?
0: Well, I'd like to play golf as much as I can, but but I I, yeah. I realized early on I wanted to, you know, be on a grand stage and try to affect all these different people and audiences all over the world. And I realized that I could just affect people one person at a time. And that has a butterfly effect and a ripple effect throughout the world. And mm-hmm. and so I do that. I just want to be able to communicate with people and and help them you know get to levels in their life that they would not have been able to get to if we never met and so i'm all about you know goals and and vision for the future and 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 i use the old dan sullivan if you know the strategic coach his question about you know if if you think about your your life three years from now what would have to happen so you could tell me that you're happy and satisfied professionally and uh and also personally and, and so when I can understand where somebody wants to be, then I can help them get there.
1: I like that, too. So, OK, so uh, one of the things I really like about your answer, Tom, is most people shy away from any um, any personal ambitions or pleasures when I ask that question. And you hit it head on. Um, and I think it's okay. like I hope the world hears that and says, oh, cool, like he does want to balance. Um, he's not just giving me the, the elbow, elbow, hand wave pageant. You know, uh, I want world peace um, only. Um, I don't want to call it BS, but overcompensation. Um, right. I, I like golf too. Um, yeah. You know? Yeah. I could play a few more rounds of golf in my life. I like the Spurs and basketball. I'd love to go to a few more Spurs games in life. And I like to spend time with my kids. Um, right. Those are, those are certainly uh, important things. And I also appreciate that you talked about helping the one, um, you know, your stage opportunities, you know, it they'll come, uh, you know, you keep helping the one that's going to continue to lead to that. But rather than just chasing the big ambition, um, you know, it looks like you're also appreciating the victories along the way. Um, and I think a lot of vision pros, uh, can learn from, from just that. Do you have anything you want to add, uh, regarding that segment before we move on?
0: Well, just that, I, you know, as I got older, I learned just about myself and my faults. And my number one fault is my ego. So that's the number one thing. I think we all fight that where we want to, you know, if if you are like an entrepreneur and you're trying to get ahead, it's all about you got to think about why do you want to get ahead? You know, and it's to to please your parents, to please your friend, you know, to show off, you know, why, why do you want to do that? Once once I did that for myself, I realized, well, wait a second, I don't need all of, wait, I'm trying to do the wrong thing. I'm coming at it at the wrong angle. Let's think about, you know, what my mission is. My mission is one person at a time. That's good enough.
1: That's cool. And uh, there's a couple synonyms with that word ego. One of them is New Yorker. Um, one of them is Texan. Um, so we, we <laughs> no, you don't
0: think so? What do you mean by that?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, as Texans, as New Yorkers, we both tend to gravitate towards this, uh, this grand feeling of pride. And yes. sometimes we overdo it a little bit with the, with the pride thing. Is
0: that fair? That is very fair and spot on for sure.
1: <laughs> and, and no, I, I see you. Uh, I've seen you already in this conversation exercise a lot more humility. Um, than, than most people who, uh, you know, who are still working on that ego thing. So, um, uh, we, we should probably dive into that when we talk about the powerful lesson is how do you make that transition, um, from somebody who's, who's got a high ego or a big ego and, and, you know, needs to, needs to figure out how to recognize that. But before we do that, let's dive deep and heavy into the dark subject of what's your worst business experience ever. And whether that's a franchise loss or not.
0: So I think the, the worst thing was buying the second franchise and then failing and the humility of that and the humbling experience that was, you know, back then I was crying about it, you know, literally now, um, you know, 15, 16 years later, I feel blessed that it actually happened. That was really an important event. So now I could talk to people and say I've been there because there's a lot of fear when you're making this change. When you make any kind of change, it's a fear, and and naturally, and I could say, hey, listen, I'm I'm the guy to help because I've been there, and I and and it stunk, but uh, but no one died. Let me put it that way.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, Um, I want to ask about this franchise and and what it was too, Uh, but I gotta ask you first. Um, do the women in your life often tell you you look like a better-looking version than Robert De Niro?
0: <laughs> Forget about it. Of
1: course, <laughs> you pull it off. I like
0: that. That's cool.
1: So anybody, anybody who agrees with me, drop that in the comments too. Uh, uh, we have a we have a small social following right now. Um, so. You may not see the comment on there, but I know a lot of them are going to be thinking that in their hearts. Uh, I heard you, Rob, uh, Tom. So uh, let's talk about this franchise. What what was it? What was the the deal? Was it a vape shop before vape?
0: Yeah, I wish. Uh, I might have survived then. But um, it was something called Super Suppers, which was ahead of its time, actually. What it was is a place where you come to our our studio. It was like a Tuscan-style kitchen, and you make meals in bulk. You follow our recipes use our ingredients and take them home and freeze them on days when you're busy, you throw it in the oven and you have a home cooked meal in like 20 minutes. So when you think about it, like on paper, what busy mom, what busy parent, mom or dad would not love that concept. And it started out with a bang and we were, and so this is 2006. We were on literally the front cover of the Sunday, New York times. Uh, below the fold so it wasn't the headline but it was below the fold at the bottom and it gave it was an article about us and it said um we're changing the way america eats the way swanson tv dinners and mcdonald's did 50 years earlier and i was like wow we're going to be billionaires let alone millionaires and fast forward 2008 a lot of things happened i mean i wrote a book about it called franchise savvy um which you could find on Amazon. It's actually a bestseller right now. Um, there we go. And mm-hmm. so I wrote about my stories, good and bad, to help people understand. Like this, this book is not about the numbers and you're not going to find charts and all that, but it's my stories of, of the experiences, experiences I've had. And so I could talk a lot more about why it failed. Now in retrospect, I understand what happened but I coach people to not make the mistakes that I made the second time around and do the things I did the first time around when I was able to semi-retire.
1: Ah, interesting. Um, And I I think we uh, I would like to talk some about that. So again, powerful lesson stage. I think we'll dive into that. Um, One thing that that I will talk on now, though, is that it's interesting. You're one of the first people um, that I've talked to that as of the people who went through the economic crisis in 2008, some of my audience is younger um, than having had that experience, but you went through that. I didn't hear you leverage that as the end all be all, only thing to blame. Uh, external factor caused your failure. Uh, hint, hint. You you, you actually seem to, to take accountability for that situation. So uh, did the economic impact, was it a driver and force as well, the environment, or was it was it not as, as big? Of, what what percent of a factor do you think that was on the failure of the franchise?
0: I think it was a mitigating factor. I don't think it was a big factor. It, I feel that we were one of the first casualties that fell, you know, back then when, you know, the economic climate was just collapsing and you couldn't get money, you, you couldn't borrow money. Um, it, it was tough economically, but we had other problems. The, mm-hmm. the problem, you know, and, and this is like if you're looking for a franchise, it was a brand new concept that had never been done before. So there was no market to figure out if this is going to work. You know, it would have been great if it was um, in during COVID time, because it would have been perfect for COVID. Right. But um, but we were ahead of our time, I, I think. You were,
1: you were in the blue ocean. And every every article writer loves to write about the quality of the blue ocean. And I'm like, nobody's in the blue ocean. Right. That's the problem with it,
0: is you don't That's have a cool. market yet. Right, right. Like I think about the the folks that created things like Uber, or, or Airbnb, it's like, you got to start from zero, there's nothing there, you have no idea if this darn thing is gonna work or not. That's true entrepreneurship, right. But that's scary as all heck to me, a franchise, like I said, is a business with training wheels. So it's been done. And so people ask me all the time, like, you know, what's the hottest franchise and all that. But, you know, is there something great that's like in like the green economy? And and the short answer is no, there's not. And the reason why is that the green economy right now is cutting edge. It's brand new. And franchising it doesn't do brand new things well. If you think about it, McDonald's did not invent hamburgers. Amco Transmission did not invent transmissions. Mm. You know, and a fitness gyms did not invent going to the gym and working out. What they did is they systematized and brought it to market and brought it out to the suburban areas of the country and internationally. For those that are listening internationally, Um, that's what franchising is good at. So you want to get into something that people use every day and, you know, people say, oh, but there's competition. Yeah, there's competition because people use it. It's a market. You know, that's that's the difference.
1: Exactly. And let's take a look at this together to to drive your point home. Uber, right? How much funding did they start with, right? They started with a funding round of 1.3 million. Now, that's not a lot of money, but that's more than most of you raise. And if you're in a blue ocean, a new concept, then this is something you need to consider. Let's go down a little bit further though and see the truth behind how much they raised. Uh Uber funding round Crunchbase. How much? Uber has raised 25.2 billion dollars okay i'm i'm not i'm not sure that crunchbase has this information correct but i have heard that they've uh they've raised over a hundred million um so you'd have to look through this whether it's a hundred million or 25 billion both those numbers are beyond what most people consider when it comes to tackling a market but if you're going to tackle a blue ocean market oh my goodness, the amount of awareness you have to raise for what's going on, the amount of hoops you have to jump through politics, right. etc. Um, it's, it's insane. Um, I think it, and yeah, go ahead. Hit I it. Just,
0: I'm sorry. I cut you off. You're good. Okay. I'm um, all for it. I was just going to say, you know, on that note, um, you know, I hold nothing against the franchise company. I made the choice to buy it. You know, I, I could have maybe sued somebody. I didn't, you know, that never even crossed my mind. Hmm. I wanted to really, so the point I wanted to make is you got to get into something that is tried and true. And what we learned with super suppers is that not only did I do them, I had to do marketing and advertising, but I had to do educational advertising, which is just, it costs a lot yep. of money. So people would come into the store, you know, they'd be going to, you know, Walgreens or something and they would stop in and go, what is this? Yep. You know, I mean, you would take five minutes, explain it, and they'd be, "Oh my God, that's brilliant!" You know, and, and hopefully they would come back and, and make some meals with you. But um, that was one of that's one of the problems right there is the amount of educational marketing. You need a lot of time and money, which also is the main point that I make in the book. Is we had to change people's habits, and when it comes to food, it's hard to do that. So it makes a lot of sense to come to our location and make meals, right? You're doing it with your own hands. If you don't like onions, you leave them out. I mean, it's totally your meal. And you take them home, freeze them, and it's great. But what happens is after you run out of those meals, it's easier just to go to your local supermarket and and buy like a rotisserie chicken and a bag of salad and call it dinner and you're done instead of making an appointment to come in with us and make your meals in bulk. So that was a big problem is changing people's habits.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. That's, that is not easy to do. Um, I'm also glad that you brought up educational marketing. Um, for most people listening in, um, it, marketing is marketing is marketing is marketing. Um, like it's all the same, just like sales is all the same. And it's either bad or good, depending on how you look at it. On the flip side with marketing, there are others more, um, more educated along the path that understand that there's branding and there's conversion uh, marketing. And, and usually when they start to find out about that, they gravitate towards one or the other, make people feel good, and believe in the brand long term or get people to buy and get people to buy as much as you can, as fast as you can. But you talked about one of the gaps in the middle. There are many. That is that educational marketing uh, component. It's not easy. We're not going to dive into it right now. Uh, But any of you that are listening, um, I'm just kind of rehashing these things that you can take better notes, um, you know, and think about looking this stuff up on YouTube. Um, I always say go to YouTube. And when you have a new subject, look up the videos that are two to three minutes long. Um, right. And learn those, um, and let the experts handle the rest, but go after those two to five minute videos. If you don't know a subject and make sure to bring yourself up to speed with the basics, let's talk about your best experience in business. Um, what does that look like, Tom, what was your best experience or what is,
0: you know, a lot of people might say, and my kind of, my mind sort of went to, well, when I make a lot of money, you know, and, and that was not the best thing. What Mm -hmm. the best thing was, believe it or not, and, I, and I'm you're asking this question because you didn't prep me with these questions. So this nope. is off awesome. The thing that comes to mind is providing people with a job because the average franchise when you start will will create 20 jobs, 10 directly and 20 uh, and 10 indirectly. So 20 altogether. And there was a couple who met at my business, got married, had kids. So I think, you know, like the sliding door stuff where if I never opened that business, would they have not met and created this family?
1: You created a family. Well, you didn't, but the environment
0: cultivated that experience. Right. So that's the kind of stuff that gives me chills. And that's what I love about it. And that's why I say I try to get people off of their duff to to do something because everybody has, I'm not talking about franchising at all. I'm talking about following your dream to you know people have a gift and they just stuff it down and and don't do anything with it and um you always have a low hum of frustration in your life if you're not doing what you're meant to do what god put you here to do
1: yeah man so there you were you were working in the subway um a gentleman uh you know ultimately was excited to to help you catch the vision of of the blessing you guys had um which he did um you know hey you got a shirt on your back this is great right um and at the same time you had something calling you you had something deeper calling you and it wasn't necessarily about the silk shirt either what was going on what was driving you back then um you know and what were some of those thought processes that took you from that conversation that had been nagging at you to get you to think i gotta i gotta go do something bigger
0: you know, it's it's hard to pinpoint it exactly. So, I mean, when I grew up, my parents were civil servants. My dad was a New York City police officer. And my mom worked for the New York City Board of Education. They never told us to go to school. Me and my brothers, they told us get a job with a pension. That's <laughs> get a get a government job. Ooh. Get a job with a pension, which is good advice for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, and and for my brothers, for me, I felt like there was more I had like a creative itch something was and I can't pinpoint it to this day. But I wanted to do something more. Uh, And then, you know, my wife, um, we're married 35 years now. But back then, congratulations, me, Tony Robbins first book, like when he first came out in 1991, I think it was I could be wrong with the date. But early on, nobody knew who this guy was. And I was like, this is this is awesome, man. And I started getting into more and more of that kind of reading like you The listeners probably heard of Rich Dad, Poor Dad. If you haven't, buy that book immediately. Um, Ding (laughs) ding, Right? Uh, And there's so many like that. We could probably spend a whole podcast just talking about business books that change our lives. Um, But so I I remember very clearly sitting on the train reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad. One of the reasons I'm here today is because of that book. Um, Mm -hmm. and, And so you start getting that kind of when you start feeding your head that kind of information it comes out in different ways so it came out in me buying a franchise um and, and i tried different things prior to that i tried multi-level marketing i tried to start like a uh, like a marketing business i didn't know what i was doing um but the, and that's when i realized hey you know i went to some seminars and i read books about franchising and realized that a franchise is a business with training wheels as i said earlier okay. Um, and that's what I needed. I needed the systems. I needed the process because I didn't know what to do. Um, and most business owners don't. And that's why, you know, starting from scratch is very, very difficult. Um, even if it's something that's tried and true, some, you know, auto mechanic. It, it's, you know, the, the thing that you realize when you get into business is that the business, the like fixing cars is 10% of owning an auto shop. It's all the other back office stuff employees and taxes and marketing and, you know, you know how it is.
1: Yeah, I do. Um, I love that the franchise is a business with training wheels. I'm going to pull that up on the screen while we talk. Um, Just drop it right there and let's dive in the next question. So, um, you know, that alone is a massively powerful lesson for those who are ready to hear it. Um, You know, for those who aren't, it can feel again, that ego can come in like, I don't want training wheels. Um, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a baby. I'm not a child. Um, aren't we all? Um, but going towards that, uh, the next powerful lesson. If there's one powerful lesson you could share in this podcast, if it was your last opportunity to, to share a
0: lesson. What would it be? The lesson I would share, if like this was the last time anybody was going to hear from me, is don't become infatuated with a business concept. Keep your mind open. What you think might be the right thing may not be so research it know what you're getting into understand every aspect write a business plan Write write that business plan over and over until you got it you know you could kind of recite it um and just don't become infatuated
1: Mm. okay and then uh back to some of these other powerful lessons we were talking about um so i mean feel free to hit whichever one comes back to your mind whether you want to circle back to the water project or you want to circle back to um, you know, one of these other elements, or you want to dive into franchising? what should we look for? Another audience is probably like on the, on the edge of their seat. Like, like what are we supposed to do with franchises now? So feel free to go in any of those directions.
0: Well, you know, we have limited time and and I want to talk about everything, but the, the one thing is, is like the, the water project I've heard of it. I had no idea that you were uh, involved. Um, and, and I'm
1: involved in a small way. I'm a contributor like everybody else that contributes.
0: No, I hear you. I mean, even cold, cold click. I want to learn more about myself. I mean, your sponsors are great. Like for me, I have a, I have a little podcast called the Franchise Academy, and I don't have sponsors. Um, but when people come on the show, I ask them to contribute to some humanitarian causes, whether it's um, Make a Wish Foundation. I have uh, three or four right on my website. They click through, money goes straight to them. I don't touch it at all. Um, and, and that's because so my point is, like with the water project, you're, you're, you know, you're here, you're trying to like do stuff and, um, you know, make business happen and, and customers and marketing and blah, blah, blah. And why, why are you really doing this? You know, and what you're doing is, is you're, you're building a base so you can help less fortunate people. You know, I, I can make a lot of money and, and, you know, buy a Ferrari that's not going to do squat for me personally. I mean, I'll be happy with it for like a day or two after a while. It's like, all right, I got a Ferrari, but when you are helping less fortunate people, whatever your, whatever on your heart, whatever's important to you, that's what makes you get up in the morning. And that's why you got to know your why, which is the sign I have behind me. You got to remember why you're doing it. Otherwise it just is going to become stale your customers will feel that it's stale coming from you so you got to know your why and act on it on a daily basis remember it meditate on it pray on it whatever it is and that that's kind of um i know it's esoteric and a lot of people are like oh it's not what i want to hear on a business podcast but but wow. that's going to drive you man i'm telling you that's going to be yeah. the key
1: it's huge, um, and people may not want to hear it, but I hope they, <clears throat> again, pull their their earmuffs off, um, and and take the opportunity. Uh, we I think we do have um, one. There are lots of people who appreciate that um, who are older in life. We also have uh, learned a lot. If you look at Forbes and Inc. and some of the studies out there, uh, the younger employees um, they tend to appreciate more of the experience. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the aspect of belonging uh they want to make a difference in what they do uh certainly they want to they want to create wealth but tim ferris ultimately led the charge for creating the nr the new rich um right which is experience rich um doing things you know with your time so um i think there's a the, the nice thing is that's no longer a blue ocean um that is the primary ocean that people go to um as they're they're looking for just that so um we w- words well said and uh to put some But yeah, to put some practicality behind it as well. Um, And I would ask uh, a franchise, 2023, what should should we be looking at? Um, What can we expect from the Franchise Academy too? Because uh, let me give a couple examples. Um, I do have a little bit of background in franchises. Um, One, I eat at them often, Um, right? So uh, there's a McDonald's near my youngest daughter's house. Um, We go three McDonald's away in our case. Um, because the experience is one, their playground shut down. But the one that's two McDonald's away, the experience is awful. It is horrific these days. And so we specifically go three days, three, three down. I don't know if it's different franchise owner or not. Um, but one of the challenges you face as a franchise owner is taking for granted, you know, that you have a responsibility to maintain that franchise and try to be the best out of those franchises if you want to really win. Now, flip side, my parents owned a uh, twice the ice machine that they sold with one of their businesses. That's a, that's a pretty popular franchise right now. Uh, they did pretty well with it They didn't do as well as they wanted to, it says every entrepreneur in every venture. Um, mm-hmm. So they did really well with that, that little franchise ice box machine. Um, what, what franchises though, you've had your eye on the market as a, as a franchise leader what should we be looking for? What, what principles, what red flags, how do you choose which one you want out of, I don't know, is there a million franchise concepts these days or, or a hundred thousand?
0: Well, great, great question. And and thank you for this question. This is kind of my forte, right? So there's 4,000 franchise concepts that span 90 different industries. Hmm. 89 industries have nothing to do with fast food, which is always top of mind because of the likes of McDonald's. Yeah. Um, So almost anything that you, any kind of skill set that you have, you could probably employ it in a franchise. So that's important. Um, Like I said, you may not, so in my opinion, a franchise is not the be all and end all for your professional career. A a franchise or really any business is a vehicle to get you what you want in life. Hmm. Um, Or your job will do the same thing. However, your job is limited and you're trading your time for money. In a business, you're building a lifestyle and you can actually buy time. It's the only, you know, they say time is the most valuable commodity uh, and it's true. But with the, right, with the right business, with systems in place and great employees that are working and doing, you could buy time. Meaning like if if I don't want to do task A, I hire somebody to do it. And that could be in your business. And it also could be back at home. I don't like to go to the dry cleaners and I don't like to get my car washed. I pay somebody to do that. I am not. I don't personally, but I'm saying you could if you're building wealth and by doing that, you're also providing somebody jobs and to help you. And so it's a symbiotic relationship with your employees in the franchise world. You know, there's in a lot of cases, there's no barrier to entry, but there's a barrier to scalability. And that's what the franchise will help you with is to scale it and get it really big. Like a lot of people will buy, start up a store or buy a store and that's it. They got one. They chase their tail, trying to keep it alive. Um, employee turnover, you know, the whole thing. But in a, in a franchise, they, they teach you how to avoid a lot of those potholes that people would you know run into. that that's important the last thing i wanted to say Mm -hmm. is you know the title of you know this podcast we're talking about the it's not your grandfather's franchise what i mean by that because we didn't touch on it yet is the fact that right now there's an enormous amount of money being poured into franchises all over the country private equity money um because they know that franchises are successful for the most part and Mm -hmm. and so We have, you know, you buy a franchise, it could be a simple house painting franchise. I mean, you can't really get more simple than that. Painting houses, like why would I need a franchise? I could just go to Home Depot, buy some brushes and and go to work. Well, yeah, you could, but what the franchise provides is, as an example, a customer facing app. So when I get a customer, they could see my employee, see their background, how long they've been painting for, and they see them on a map driving to their house, they see their background. Oh, they got a dog. They have a wife, they have a kid. And, and so that kind of stuff is what makes a franchise just kind of blast out in the market. Um, and, and really kind of blot out the sun. It's, huge.
1: <laughs> it's a laser beam of, of marketing. It's a marketing machine for you. And in addition to that, let's look at the worst case scenario in these situations. So I go get a bucket of paint, right. And I go to paint a house. Um, and I get there, I paint the house and the homeowner hates the color, even though it's exactly what they asked for. Um, right. And now I've got to figure out how do I handle this argument with somebody who wanted this done and whoops, we spilled the paint bucket. Um, and you know, the paint bucket ends up causing problems. So now we've got, uh, to cover the costs and expenses of that too, but we forgot about business insurance. So we didn't, (laughs) we didn't get business insurance. Um, And so now we've got a lawsuit on our hands and thousands of dollars in repairs. And on the way home from that paint uh, experience, I I had bought a magnet on Vistaprint for my car to showcase my brand name. And bam, I get hit by another car. Um, But because I have my logo on that car, I am now liable. My company is now liable for that wreck. Because I also didn't have insurance that covered the experience um, that occurs as I'm traveling to and from those jobs. And, I, and I've got all these problems. And then uh, you got taxes to pay and figure out. You've got so like you said, there's so many things that as entrepreneurs we take for granted. Um, you know, we don't realize like, oh, we'll just figure that out Like, and, and you can and you don't always go through, you know, very rarely do you go through all of those scenarios. Um, but. There are so many scenarios like that, that you have to learn to overcome as a business owner. And the franchise is there as the ultimate series of mentors. And I would say companions that you can learn from. You've got a built-in mastermind of people trying to do the same thing, going through the same problems and challenges. I, as a business owner who's done it the hard way many, many, many times, understand completely the value of a franchise um so well said uh, well said tom thanks for getting me on my tangent for that
0: yeah no that, that's great and and the other thing that i think um you you there was something else that you left out which would have made it a little bit even more less desirable to have your own business and it was, oh. it's escaping me at the moment but you you know oh the thing is when you so back to the painting business so you show up and, and there's competitors looking, looking, you know, I'll say the yellow pages or, or Google painters in your neighborhood. There's a million of them. Yes. sir. And when it comes to your house, they're coming in a broken down pickup or a broken down van. Um, they might have a baseball cap that says their their brand name on it, you know, and then they do your, their estimate. Um, you know, they have a tape measure and then they're doing it on this this um, paper that they got from Staples. When the franchise comes, it's a branded truck. It's wrapped in the colors and the logo. They're wearing the shirt, the uniform, the whole nine yards. They have an they have an iPad with a laser um, measuring thing on it, and so they they could measure mm-hmm. your house. They know the difference between well how much take, paint it will take to paint a uh, six panel door as opposed to a one panel door. Mm-hmm. And you know when, when they came to paint my house, the first thing they said to me was. Um, what's one thing that we can do that will have you never recommend us? And, um, <laughs> great question. It's like, leave the side gate open and let my dog out. You will never be allowed on this block again, let alone <laughs> get a referral, right? So it, it's, it's that level of, of professionalism. So, th- so the guy who's just a regular painter, he's going to ask you for 50% down payment. The franchise company won't. And the reason the non-franchise guy asks you for the down for 50% um, is because he can't afford to go to Sherwin Williams and buy the paint. So Mm -hmm. he needs that money so he can buy your paint to paint your house because they're chasing their tail because they don't know how to run a business. They know how to paint the house beautifully, but they don't know how to run a business.
1: Right. And with that, they might know how to, but they've also got to attract subcontractors, right? You do. um, in both scenarios and, um, you know, which which company is going to attract the higher quality worker, the, the Sherman Williams that has a brand name benefits package, um, you know, infrastructure for hiring and HR or the guy who's trying to figure it out on his own and can't provide you a whole lot of security about why you should work with them. Maybe he can kind of promise partnership or, or some type of flexibility that you can't get elsewhere. So if you hire workers who want flexibility Another word for flexibility is inconsistency, Um, you know, and, and so it's important to realize that there's virtues and vices that often go hand in hand with each other. Um, And uh, you know, think about it from a restaurant standpoint, if you were going to get a job at a restaurant and you had the option between a hole in the wall where you you don't know the owner, you don't know the brand, you don't know the culture, you don't know what to expect or Chick-fil-A, and at Chick Fil A, you got again all the benefits. You get a great salary. You got great training. It's nice and clean. They treat people with respect. There's, there's everywhere you go. Chick Fil A is almost the exact same in terms of their service. You know, bright flowers on the tables. Um, which one is going to be more attractive in general? Um, you know, like I, I think it's an easy answer for all of us listening in. Um, and so, whether they're a franchise or not, um, the core concept of having a model that is well followed and well executed. Um, is is just, it's an amazing, it's an inspiration to me and what I try to build at first-class business
0: the hard way. I'll tell you, Jackson, a surprise to the listeners will be that McDonald's does not sell hamburgers and fries and Chick-fil-A does not sell chicken and and tater tots. What they both sell is dependability and reliability. Yeah, well said.
1: They do. Dependability and reliability. And we would do well as, uh, as business owners, as visionaries to prepare for uh, answering basic questions, not am I reliable or am I dependable, but how can I be more reliable? <clears throat> how can I improve my dependability um, for others? If we're constantly looking to improve that. We've probably got a, a, a life well lived to look forward to to play a little bit with the past and future tense. Um, so Tom, this was a, an absolute pleasure. I, I do look forward to staying in touch. Um, we will uh, definitely be recommending the Franchise Academy. Uh, well, i I mean, I've pretty much done that throughout the show. Um, I just, I can't, I can't highlight enough for those who, who are starting a business, the importance it is to take the extra few hours to look into it. You know, if you don't have another franchise wizard in your corner, Um, you know, somebody to help you evaluate that, then, then give Tom a call, look at what he's doing listen to his podcasts. See if that could be an opportunity for you because going the entrepreneur, there's a reason why I don't, um, promote my business, uh, to new entrepreneurs. I, I tell them, listen, I want to work with entrepreneurs that have three to five years of experience minimum Mm -hmm. minimum because you're a massive liability. When you're trying to figure it out from scratch and you haven't done this before and you haven't had the training of a franchise um, and, and it's a dangerous game uh, to play with. So um, I hope somebody in this audience hears that today and says, oh, man, I, I should do my research on this stuff. If so, I feel like we've done our our job well. And Tom, anything you want to add here at the end? Where can people connect with you?
0: Yeah. So uh, the franchiseacademy.com. Um I, I have the Franchise Savvy book if anybody's interested because they're listeners of yours. I'd be happy to send them a free copy. Um, I awesome. also, my first book is called the magic of choosing uncertainty. This, this is really my pride and joy. This book is about
1: mm.
0: making changes. Uh, it doesn't have to be, it doesn't mention the word franchise once in the whole book. Um, again, if anybody wants any of these books uh, you could email me, you could go through uh, Jackson to get to me. Uh, but it's just, you know, the, I'm available at the franchiseacademy.com and my email is there and all that good stuff.
1: I love that. And The Magic of Choosing Uncertainty. What a powerful title. Um, So definitely uh, look forward to the books, Tom. Thanks for offering that to the audience. You heard him. Uh, Feel free to sign up on that. Let us know in the comments or send us private messages on the social media channel of your choice. Um, And we will get back to you, of course. And we'll let Tom know that you're reaching out as well. Everybody have a fantastic day. Thanks for joining us on Vision Pros. And we'll see you on the next show.